Well, good morning, church. Now, let's see. You know, there's a little tradition on Easter. You guys know what this is? You say, he is risen, and then you respond with? Okay, so let's see how we can do it. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Well, praise the Lord. And this is a momentous day. As Rod said, the resurrection is always a big deal. But particularly on this day, we take some time to celebrate what Jesus has done on our behalf in not just dying for our sins, but in raising from the dead. And the title of the message today that I'd like to explore with you today is simply reflective of that, a big deal. Okay, so hopefully this message will be a big deal in your hearts and in your minds this morning. We're so thankful once again for all of those that put work to pull this together. Um, as you know, managing one church is a challenge because you, you guys are a bunch of prickly people in here, all of you, y'all problems. And then you put two churches together and guess what? You got double prickliness. So man, can we give a round of applause to Keith and Jalen and Eddie and Lynn and all of those that work so hard to pull this off. Thanks for letting us, you folks at First Baptist, making the long commute across the hall. It took us a long time to get here. Um, we're so glad for the opportunity to worship together. So can we pause and just ask for the Lord's help in the next few minutes? Can we pray together? Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. And I pray right now you would help us to remember that the resurrection is a big deal. Lord, grip us. Grip us with the risen Lord. Help us to see the significance of what he came to do on behalf of broken people like us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I want you to turn your attention to the screen here, if you will, behind me, and let's do a little pop quiz to start the sermon. So turn your attention up here. This is the symbol for? Apple. Very good. I got another one for you. It is? Cadillac. And one more? The Golden Arches. Saving the best for last, right? Yeah. You know, I bring this up because those brands are immediately recognized by a symbol. And you know the same is true of Christianity. Churches are often adorned with what? Crosses. Followers of Jesus will sometimes wear a piece of jewelry in a cross shape. Maybe even if you're a millennial, you got a cross tattoo somewhere. The idea is simply this. The symbol of Christianity has been known as a cross. And it's completely appropriate. Because the cross should have a central and prominent position in the life of followers of Jesus. However, the cross alone does not tell the whole story. You see, the reality is, is without the resurrection, the cross would be a tragedy of the first order. That is, if Jesus was just executed, if Jesus had just died and never rose from the dead, the cross would not be a symbol of joy, a symbol of substitution. It would be a symbol of remorse, regret, and sorrow. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless you are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep or died in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, listen to what he says, we should be pitied more than anyone. Strong words. To put it plainly, if there is no resurrection, there is no hope. No resurrection, no hope. Or as C.S. Lewis described it, the Christian story is precisely a story of a grand miracle. 
The Christian assertion being that what is beyond all space and time, what is uncreated, eternal, came into nature, into human nature, descended into his own universe, and rose again, bringing that nature up with him. It is precisely one great miracle. Listen to this last sentence. If you take that away, there is precisely or specifically nothing Christian left. And this is a fact that the earlier followers of Jesus gripped they understood this plainly. In fact, when you go to the book of Acts, which is basically the sequel to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus' life and his ministry, the book of Acts is kind of like Jesus part two. It tells the continuing work of what Jesus' followers did after Jesus ascended to heaven. And you know what? Every time, every time in the book of Acts, when the disciples preached the gospel message, they actually drew attention to the resurrection. They didn't just preach of the crucifixion. They actually mentioned the resurrection in the book of Acts more often than the crucifixion. Let me give you some examples. Acts chapter 2, verse number 24. God raised him up, ending the pains of death. Acts 4, verse 33. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 5, verse number 30. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging him on a tree. Acts 17, verse number 18, he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. If you could put it in vernacular, the resurrection of Jesus is kind of a big deal. The resurrection of Jesus is a big deal, which leads me to my point this morning. We must all see the significance of the resurrection. Maybe you have seen the significance of the crucifixion at some point in your life. But have you ever really wrestled with the idea that the resurrection is equally important to the death of Jesus? As I said, without the resurrection, this symbol is a symbol of sorrow. But because Jesus rose again from the dead, this symbol has become a symbol of hope. Our brand... Our symbol is one of power, it is one of joy, it is one of hope for the future, and that is all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that raises the question, doesn't it? Why? Why is the resurrection such a big deal? Why does it matter so much? And fortunately for us, we don't have to speculate about that. In Matthew chapter 28, which is kind of the, the story of Jesus raising from the dead, and the word that he spoke to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, I want to highlight from this passage three reasons why the resurrection is a big deal for us this morning. So if you're taking notes, what's the big deal? Number one, ready? The resurrection displayed power. That's why the resurrection is a big deal. Because it was a display of God's amazing power. Early the Sunday morning after Jesus was crucified, some women went to visit the tomb. But what they found there was not at all what they expected. Verse number one of Matthew 28. After Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And the guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. So the events of that morning 
were so cataclysmic, so powerful, so significant that the earth shook and the soldiers shook. Both man and the creation itself were shook by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think this is God's way of saying, hey, pay attention. Pay attention. Something significant is happening here. If I could put it very plainly, Jesus' resurrection power is unstoppable. The earth could not hold still when Jesus stepped out of the tomb. The soldiers, when they saw the risen Lord, actually, they didn't even see the risen Lord. They just saw a a messenger of the risen Lord. They saw him and they were so terrified by this event that they fell down like they were dead. Think about it for a moment. On this resurrection, as Jesus arose from the dead, it was as if everything was against Jesus and he still conquered it. The devil had incited Jesus' betrayal at the hand of a friend. The religious leaders brought false witnesses against Jesus. The Roman governor handed Jesus over against his better judgment. The soldiers brutally tortured and executed Jesus, running a spear through his side just to be sure that he was dead. And even after he was pronounced dead, the tomb was sealed, put a signet ring on it, and guarded by several soldiers. It is as if every force of evil in the universe had conspired against Jesus and listened to this, and none of it mattered. The devil played his best hand. He did all that was in his power to oppose Jesus Christ. He even killed him, he had him guarded, and he couldn't keep him dead. Why? Acts 2, verse number 24, God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for death to keep hold of him. Jesus was just too strong. Death could not hang on to Jesus. It was not possible. Here's the idea. Look, even death itself bows its knee before King Jesus. Death itself, the robber and the mocker that it is. Death itself bows its knee knee to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Nothing can stop the risen Christ. But the risen Christ did not simply show his power over death. He actually showed his power to transform people in that resurrection. Look at the text, verse number five. And the angel told the women, don't be afraid. Because I know you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and indeed is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So the women take off. They start heading back to find the disciples. And on their way, they run into Jesus himself. Verse number nine, just then Jesus met them and said, greetings. I guess that's what a risen person says. Hi, how you doing? They came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. In one instance, these women went from overwhelming sorrow to overflowing joy. Why? Because the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. The whole trajectory of their life was transformed by one powerful act. Look, it matters that Jesus is risen because it means that there is no enemy in this world that is strong enough to overpower him. The devil took his best shot. 
He had no moves left. He did all that was in his power. He spared no expense, and he still came up empty. By rising from the dead, Jesus made it crystal clear that power and might are in his hands, and no one can stand against him. Huh. Any Marvel fans here? Marvel fans? Okay. Marvel spent nearly 20 years telling this infinity saga, right? Just a series of like 18 movies or something like that. Crazy amount of movies to tell one unified story. I mean, it's spoiler alert, but look, look, seriously. It came out in 2019, so if you didn't see the conclusion now, you're probably not going to watch it, okay? So they built all these years to lead up to one what? One snap. What's that? Not a finale. You didn't watch it, Kathy. Yeah, okay, yeah. One snap. The story goes and it culminates with Iron Man undoing all the wrong that had been done in one powerful act. You know why I think our hearts resonate with that? You know why that series of movie was so popular? I think, yeah, CGI. That's one reason. Okay, yeah. Cool graphics. But two, because the story captures the greatest story in the universe. That in one act, all the curse can be undone. All the brokenness in this world can become untrue. In one powerful act, when Jesus stepped out of that tomb, he fixed everything that was broken. Now, it hasn't finished the job yet, but friends, it is the beginning of the end already. In one act, one fell swoop, Jesus rescued us, defeated the devil, destroyed death, and took his hand at the right hand of the throne of God to rule and reign in majesty forever and ever and ever. Amen. Now that's power. The resurrection is a big deal because Jesus did what no one else could do with a snap. Number two. The resurrection is not only a display of God's power. The resurrection is a big deal because it fulfilled prophecy. <laughs> After the crucifixion, Jesus' chief antagonist, the religious leaders of the day, wanted to make sure that Jesus stayed in the tomb. So they took measures to make sure this was the case. Look at verse number 62 of Matthew 27. The next day, which followed the preparation day, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir... We remember that while this deceiver was still alive, he said, after three days, I will rise again. So give orders that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him and tell the people he has been raised from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. Unfortunately for the Pharisees, the sealed tomb and the Roman guides were no match for the resurrected Christ. So what they did with what any rational human being would do. So they know Jesus has risen from the dead. So they did what was very rational. They bribed the guards. I mean, what is wrong with these guys at this point? Somebody got out of the tomb and you're like, let's pay them off. Look at what it says down in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 12. And the chief priest assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, say this. His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were sleeping. Now listen, the Pharisees in the New Testament, they're wrong about almost everything. I mean, they are almost always wrong. 
But one thing they got right is this. They knew that Jesus said he would rise from the dead. They recognized that because Jesus said it over and over again. Throughout his ministry, Jesus didn't, didn't just like get caught off guard by the crucifixion and resurrection. He actually predicted it repeatedly. Look at what it says in the scripture. John 2, verse 18. So the Jews replied to him, what sign will you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Therefore the Jews said, this temple took 46 years to build and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. Ma Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Mark chapter 9, verse number 31. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise again three days later. And this is just scratching the surface. It's like Jesus just over and over and over again kept telling people, I'm going to die and I'm going to raise from the dead. What this illustrates is that the resurrection was not Jesus making the best of a bad situation. It was the culmination of his plan. Jesus was not surprised by what happened on the cross. He was not surprised what happened on that Easter morning. Rather, listen to this, his death was a prerequisite for our life. Jesus' death was a prerequisite for our life. The crucifixion and the resurrection were always, 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 always God's plan A. And there was no plan B. The crucifixion and the resurrection were always God's plan A, and there was no plan B. The disciples did not understand this right away either. For when they saw the empty tomb, John tells us this, for they did not yet understand from the scripture that he must rise from the dead. It was not until the disciples saw the resurrected Christ face to face that they began to understand what really happened with the resurrection. Luke chapter 24, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's talking with his disciples and here's what he says to them. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures, and he also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Listen, the resurrection is not incidental, but indispensable to your salvation. It's not incidental. It's not like just the good ending to a story. This was God's plan from eternity past to save his people by the resurrection of his son from the dead. This was God's plan, and it was the way that he would save you and destroy the devil. You know, I have eight children, or as many people say, a hundred, because you can't remember eight. I don't know why a hundred. It's a nice round number. A bunch of them. If you see a kid in this room, they're probably mine, right? Okay. 
And we have, as a family, read through um, the Chronicles of Narnia several times. I just went through with uh, kind of the B team um, at, at our house. We just finished the first book recently. And there, there, at the culmination of that story, there is a very moving moment. Aslan, who's a lion and the Christ figure of the story, gets slain by the forces of evil on the stone table. So he's killed by the white witch and she plunges this knife into him and he is dead. And Lucy and Susan, the two girls kind of observe it. They see everything that happens and they're utterly heartbroken. But then the sun starts to rise the next morning. And when the sun comes up, they hear this loud cracking sound. And all of a sudden, Aslan is alive and larger than ever. He is in this new form. But you know what that crack was? It was the cracking of the stone table. And Aslan says something of this nature. He's like, the, the witch thought she could told, kill me with some sort of magic, but I know a deeper magic. Listen, when Christ stepped out of the tomb, he knew a deeper magic. Satan and his minions took their best shot. They thought they were succeeding. And in the end, Jesus was frustrating all their plans. And in the act of the crucifixion, when Jesus stepped out of the tomb, it's as if the story is now just coming to a conclusion. After Aslan raises from the dead, you kind of know, well, the story's over because he's going to go whoop everybody. Look, story's over, folks. The plot twist is over in one sense. The king already stepped out of the tomb. His plan has been culminated and we are in the beginning of the end right now. Satan and all his minions and all the forces of evil are in their death throes right now. My encouragement to you would be this. Get on the winning team. He's already guaranteed the victory. Get on the right side. The resurrection matters because it's always been part of God's plan and it fulfilled his prophecy in what he meant to do from the very beginning. The empty tomb was the beginning of the end for all the forces of evil. Number three. The resurrection is a big deal because the resurrection gave purpose. And we don't talk about this a lot even on Easter Sunday, but I think it is very critical. After Jesus rose from the dead, remember what he said to the women? Hey, go have the disciples go meet me in Galilee. So he gathers them together to kind of one last pep rally, as it were. And here's what he says to them. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. And Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This passage is often referred to as the Great Commission. And it is the task, the job, that God has given his followers to complete until he returns. Both the scope and the significance of this mission are utterly unparalleled. For with these words, the Lord literally invites us to participate in his work in saving the world. When Jesus rose from the dead, he invites people like you and me to participate in his work in saving the world. Now that may sound daunting. 
But here's the thing. The one who told us to do this thing, to make disciples of all nations, take the gospel to the ends of the earth, that sounds so overwhelming. It sounds so massive that in your heart there should be a little bit like, how are we supposed to do this? Remember the one who told us to do this is the same one in this passage who says this. And by the way, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go, therefore, and make disciples. The one who tells us to go is the one who possesses all authority. And listen, he will get the job done. With or without you and I, he will get the job done. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Matthew 16, verse number 18. And I tell you again, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Revelation chapter 7, verse number 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from every tribe and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Jesus will get his bride. With or without you or I, Jesus will accomplish his purpose. The completion of the Great Commission is not in jeopardy. It is a fixed certainty. The gospel will be preached to every nation. There will be followers from Jesus from every tribe. And Jesus will have his multi-ethnic bride. And perhaps the most astounding thing is this, that Jesus invites you and I to be a part of that. Talk about purpose. Talk about significance. The resurrection is a big deal because it gives us a reason to live. If you follow Jesus, your life, listen, your life is about more than being well-liked. Your life is about more than having a big house and a nice bank account and a fancy car. Your life is about more than being comfortable there is a meaning to your life. Listen to this, folks. There is a meaning to your life that can actually outlive you. Don't you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself? Hey, I'm not saying this to be unkind. Aren't some of you bored? Some of you are. You've already climbed the corporate ladder. You've already taken all the trips. Or you're about to and you're like, I don't know, I'm not really, uh, what's the big deal? You know why? Because you're not meant to live for something so small. Jesus rose from the dead to give you purpose, to give you meaning, to leverage all that you are and all that you have for something bigger than yourself. You know why some of you are miserable? Because your sights are too low. Your goals are not lofty enough. You're doing something, you're pursuing something just to make you comfortable. You're not pursuing something that will make you rich for all eternity. You're living for your great name rather than for the name that is above every name. The name at who every tongue will confess and knee will bow. It is not about us, friends. And Jesus rose from the dead to say, I don't want you to live a boring life. I want you to live an obedient life. 
get on board in my mission on the world and it will give you purpose and meaning and mission and drive beyond your wildest dreams. You see, Jesus rose from the dead to do more than take you to heaven. Well, I praise God he did that. Aren't you glad? But he did more than that. The gospel message is not just a then and there message. It is a here and now message. So let's get on board on the winning team. He has guaranteed his victory. Let's make sure we're betting on the right horse. And in our world that is desperately looking for significance, this is good news. Here's the reality. Listen to the statement. If you trust in Jesus, we are saved, praise God, and we are sent. We are saved and we are sent. Christ died to do both. I'm going to ask the choirs to come right now, and I'm going to land the plane, okay? Where does this all leave us, Ryan? Okay, the resurrection is a big deal because it displayed the power of God. Resurrection is a big deal because it fulfilled prophecy. The resurrection is a big deal because it gives us purpose. So what are we supposed to do about it? We're supposed to orient our entire lives around this big deal. In 1440, there was a machine that was invented that probably has shaped the world more than anything else. Anybody know what that was? The printing press, that's right. You know that our lives are completely transformed by the printing press. It was capable of creating around 3,600 pages in a day. Prior to this, this was completely unthinkable. Before this point, books and papers were always handwritten or copied and therefore rare, time-consuming, and costly. But Gutenberg's press, and this is not an overstatement, revolutionized our accessibility to information. Mark Twain went so far to say it like this. What the world is today, good or bad, it owes to Gutenberg. Listen, I'm talking about something bigger than the print press. Every book you've ever had in your hand, every piece of information that you've ever dealt with, it owes to the fact that Gutenberg created this printing press. But Jesus did something more significant than create a printing press. Jesus rose from the dead. And that deserves everything. Our lives should be oriented around it. You see, if the resurrection is a fairy tale or a grand conspiracy, then Jesus is insignificant. This life is all that there is. And look, you and I, we're just wasting our time this morning. Salvation is just a dream. It has nothing to do with anything. However, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, then he's exactly who he said he is. He is the son of God. Eternal life is possible. And what we are speaking about this morning is the most important message in the world. Your sins can be forgiven and you can be saved. So if I could summarize how I started, look, the resurrection is a big deal. So here's my question. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to say nice sermon and go out and pursue our nice life? Live for the American dream. Live for our own preferences, our own comfort. Or are you going to put your yes on the table and say, Lord, whatever you want, I will do because you are risen. 
I want to invite you to do two things here. I'm going to ask our prayer team, some of the folks from both First Baptist and from Gospel Hope, if you could just step to the back. And I want to ask you to respond this morning. First way is simply this. Will you receive the risen Christ? If you have never trusted in Jesus, in this one who has the power over death and hell, we want to invite you to receive Jesus Christ right now, right here today. The Bible says this in John chapter 1, verse number 12. But to all who receive him, he gave the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. If Jesus really rose from the dead, it is the epitome of folly to ignore him. So will you receive him right now? Receive him right now and say, God, I need this resurrection power in my life. I need this purpose in my life. I need to be rescued from death and sin, and only Jesus can do that on my behalf. The second thing I would, way I would invite you to respond is this. Will you follow him? He rose from the dead to give you purpose. He rose from the dead to give you meaning. He rose from the dead to give you significance that will far outlive you. Here's my question. Is your yes on the table? I don't know what that looks like in your life, but is your yes on the table? Lord, I will do whatever you call me to do. Choir is going to come and sing for us as we conclude, but I want to invite you. There are folks in the back that they would love to take a minute and pray with you. So if the Lord's just doing something in your heart, would you just go and briefly pray with them? Ask them to pray with you. You can pray right there at your seat if you want to, but these folks would love to minister to you this morning. So I'm gonna have Jalen play just quietly for a moment, and then the choir is gonna lead us in a final song this morning. But if you wanna go and talk to somebody or pray with somebody, they are available. So let me pray for us just briefly. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Help us to respond to the risen Lord. Lord, it really is a big deal. We thank you that you died for us, and today especially, we thank you that you rose from us, for us. Help us to put our trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.